And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What is up, everybody? Nick Scripp here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. We are getting close to December as we are just finishing up week 12. We have one more game tonight, so I think I'm about an hour early before that kicks off. But uh, I'm really excited about this show tonight. I got two really good guests from the fantasy football community that I've talked to a bunch of times but never linked up with on a show. So very excited to have both Spence and Alex on the show today. And uh, I want to make sure that I introduce both guys, let them talk about themselves because they're both very active again uh, in this fantasy community. So first guy I want to introduce here, uh, Alex Caruso. And funny thing is I was like tweeting about Alex Caruso the other night and I thought about you because I'm like, I put two and two together because I was at the Bulls game and he was going crazy. And I'm like, Alex Caruso getting MVP chance. And I'm like, oh, I, got, I got him coming on the show anyways. But uh, uh, Alex Caruso, football guys, contributor. Uh, huge on TikTok. I got to give you that shout out. 26.6 thousand followers on, on TikTok. That, that is awesome. And I know you're uh, very active on Twitter as well. Uh, Alex, great to have you on the show, man. Can you tell everybody, uh, because we'll have people listening just on the you know Apple and iTunes versions and Spotify, where to find you and uh, what you do? Yeah, so I do. I definitely do a little bit of everything. It's been pretty crazy. So obviously, I'm a new contributor at the Football Guys. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Caruso. But my main thing is definitely the Fresh Fantasy Podcast and all of your favorite podcast platforms. But definitely, like you said, Nick, with the kind words and all that, TikTok is definitely the place to be. We're posting about six or seven days a week, depending on TikTok. You can find me at Fresh underscore Fantasy, strictly fantasy football, nothing else, just all that good stuff, trying to give you guys the best takes and best information possible in just a minute or less. So love to see it. Excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And we'll we'll uh, be talking for, for a little bit more than than that duration. But I, I love the grind on there because I see it pop up all the time and see you on Twitter as well. So it's great to have you on the stream here today. Uh, Spence, great to have you as well. Uh, writer at Yards Per, which is a, uh, a great brand um, that I personally like a lot. Uh, really good writers over there. Um, Alex, who is, I think, runs Yards Per, real good guy. Uh, big fan of his as well. Co-host for the Fantasy Newsroom, too. Big uh, JT Truther, who's having a massive year. Uh, great to have you on, Spence. Let it let everybody know uh, where to find you and then uh, talk about what you do. Yeah, so like you said, big JT Truther, at JTRB1 on Twitter. Um, I made that back in January, and it's been the same since, and it's crazy that it actually ended up happening, like, I think week 10. Um, I remember JT days, like October 18th or something. Um, but, yeah, right at yards per Alex Johnson, like you said, he's a legend. Um, he's been really awesome to me and they do some really awesome stuff with their, with their app over there. Um, and then the fantasy newsroom has been really fun and it's me and, uh, Matthew Seward and, and Ryan pros over with, uh, dynasty vipers. Um, but I've just been really enjoying Twitter mainly a lot. I wish I was as awesome as Alex and I had a sweet TikTok game going. Um, cause that's the wave I've actually, it's crazy. Um, I've actually seen Alex's, um, TikToks on my for you page um before nice. i i followed him or anything like that so um if you've probably seen him on TikTok, if even if you haven't heard of him before today um so big big shout out to him um but uh yeah i'm really appreciative to be here and i'm excited to see what the show brings all right well as always this show is partnered up with the fantasy points media group part of the fantasy points branch uh, my personal one-stop shop for everything fantasy related when it comes to rankings, projections, advanced stats. They have articles, they have DFS stuff. Whatever you're looking for, it's on fantasypoints.com. So go check out 
that website there, fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. They have a discount because we are 12 weeks in as is, but then you can also use my promo code 21WIN10. So if you're here watching us live, we are going to recap the games that have already happened in week 12. And a lot of that uh, involves projecting forward. So it's going to be a great show. Uh, Stick with us here. To win, no fear to give. I feel, but I can't forgive. I go all in this time, yeah, I won't regret. I'll pick the best on trip. They don't understand. I play to win. Yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Oh, play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, I play to win. I play to win. All right, so we are reviewing week 12, the games that have happened so far. And again, we got another game happening tonight, Seattle versus Washington. Uh, the big talks of this week have been the the injuries, and we might you know touch on those briefly here. But uh, what we're going to focus on today is the good and the bad and our uh, thoughts about what happened. Sometimes people overreact, they underreact to certain performances, and it's good to analyze them. So my first question of the day, and we'll go Spence and Alex, and we'll just do a little roundtable here of uh, our thoughts here. But um, first question, which performance from Week 12 was a sign for a jump in a player's fantasy stock for the rest of the season? So a guy had a really good week, and you're like, man, this is a good sign for the rest of the year. Who comes to mind for you, Spence? Yeah, so the big one for me was Rob Gronkowski. Um, obviously, the dynamic duo, you know, there have been legends for almost 10 years now, I think, with 2012 when Rob Gronkowski came in with Tom Brady, but um, just dominant ever since they've been playing together. And, you know, he was banged up for a little while, and he finally he comes back. Uh, AB is still out, but he just absolutely dominated, had like over 100 yards, um, a massive target share. And I just think that, People might have forgot about him a little bit, um, but he was like top five in points per game before he ended up going out uh, earlier this year. And I could totally just see that continuing um, and tight end is so scarce that I think he's super valuable right now. If you see him anywhere, you know, I would, I would definitely try to grab him. Yeah, 18 targets the last two games. Uh, that's a great sign in itself. He's got the connection, like you said, with Tom Brady that he had elsewhere, as we know. And in a tight end world where we have guys like uh, we just had George Kittle had like a two-point week, and then we have Darren Waller who's injured, and we have guys that look really good like Dan Arnold, and then they either get banged up or they uh, lose some volume. So Gronkowski's been good. If he's in, uh, if he's healthy and he's on the field, he's, he's been great. Um, so I, I'm with you with that, and he should be a good play the rest of the season. Um, Alex, any any thoughts on Gronk? And then let us know who's a guy, again, that uh, stands out as a good performance, should have a big increase in their fantasy stock the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I love the Gronk pick. I mean, every single game that he's played this year, he's made an impact, whether Antonio Brown's playing. It doesn't really matter who it is. I mean, Brady is looking for Gronk in there. I thought that was a cliche thing going into this year. I was like, I'm not targeting him because people think that, you know, Tom loves Gronk, so he's going to be throwing to him all the time with all those guys. Like, I, I didn't buy into that, but it, it actually has happened. And the touchdowns are there. He's looking in him for the red area. And when he's not, I mean, like we saw this week against Indy, he's looking for him all the time. So I'm, I'm 100% on board. I think Gronk is I'm probably a borderline top five tight end rest of the season at this point. It feels crazy to say because uh, I was not high on him into the season with all the other guys that he's competing with. But, you know, he's doing it, and I think we have to keep betting on him because every time we bet against him or Brady or anyone else that played for the Patriots like that, they seem to prove us wrong. So that is that. But my guy, 
that is starting to prove people wrong. Maybe it's just one week wonder or that bit. But it's Odell Beckham, man. I mean, Odell Beckham in his second game for the Rams, second game, keep in mind, after playing with like two or three seasons for the Browns, had his highest amount of targets of the season, tied his season high in catches, and had a season high in yards, and had his first touchdown since week four of October in 2020. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, this is his second week in this offense, and he's getting 10 targets. I'm not saying that Odell Beckham is a wide receiver one, and he's back to full form from what he was before. No, no, I'm not saying that. But this is super encouraging considering the guy that we've seen all year that's looked like a shell of himself and the fact that he's capable of fantasy production I think is huge. And I think that, you know, going forward that he could be a solid option. I think the fact that he out-targeted Van Jefferson, he commanded over a 20% target share in his second game are all really promising signs. And I think that he could be worth this, I mean, like a like a poor man's Robert Woods almost, like a low-tier wide receiver too maybe the end of, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think uh, I think after this performance, you might have been juggling like he's he wasn't going to be your wide receiver one or your wide receiver two, but you might have been juggling like, can I flex this guy? Do I trust him as a flex play? And now you see a decent ceiling. He had the ten targets, nineteen fantasy points. Uh, brings you some optimism. Like, hey, if I if I need to plug him in and play him, I I, I can't have the confidence. Uh, uh, Spence, do you have the same sort of confidence in OBJ, or do you think differently? Uh, I think that Robert Woods injury just really saved him i was i like van jefferson a lot i think that they i don't know i thought that odell was going to go to green bay so when he went to the rams i was like man that team is a little stacked at wide receiver now who's going to win van jefferson or odell obviously a few years ago we would have said odell is obviously you know insane but like you said he was kind of a shell um with cleveland but i mean he's definitely come back up and i think um i think both van jefferson and odell can thrive and i think they're both definitely flex worthy at this point for sure Really like the comments coming in. Uh, I forgot we get the YouTube ones. We had three oh, fantastic yeah. analysts looking forward to this one. Says uh, Ryan Pros and then Kevin Coleman. Bench uh, <laughs> just wants dirty. to stay with RB one. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> get the yeah, uh, get that out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm w- I'm with Kevin. That's my guy. I hope hope, no. hope he's all right. Hopefully he's all right. Um, I, I don't say he's RB one, but he I, I'm a huge Swift guy. So is so is Alex. So is Alex. I think we're on the same fan club. Um, I like Swift, but just not not, yeah, as, yeah. not more than JT, obviously. Yeah. Um, I like Swift so much that I bought his uh practice uniform number when he oh, first was yeah. uh in the NFL. He was number six in uh training camp, and I bought that jersey thinking he was gonna be number six, which is wild. Take it to the hizzies in the uh, chat as well. Uh I'm gonna jump into my guy real quick here. Uh Elijah Mitchell, and a lot of people will say like, well, he's the running back that a lot of people paid uh, the fab for. Like, it makes sense that he's going to have a good week and and be good the rest of the season. But I really was concerned about what the split would be between him and Jeff Wilson Jr. And Jeff Wilson Jr. had the role when uh, Elijah Mitchell was out last week with the rib and the finger injury. I didn't know if it was going to be a 60-40 if it was going to be maybe Jeff Wilson was going to get more of the carries this week because maybe they'd ease him back in. But Elijah Mitchell played 70% of the snaps. If we look at his his total amount of touches, he had 32 total touches. Jeff Wilson Jr. had three. So that just gives me more confidence knowing that there's not going to be a committee here. There's not going to be a split with Jeff Wilson. He's going to get the touches, and the volume is crazy. And if you get that sort of volume for the 49ers, this guy is – has the potential to be a weekly top 10 running back the rest of the way, especially looking at the the schedule here. You got Seattle, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. You got really nice games coming up. He could end up being a league winner just because the volume is going to be there. If he gets some, some, some catches, if he finds the end zone the way that he does, 
Uh, he's had four performances over 16 fantasy points. So I'm 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 seeing the red uh, flashing lights saying Elijah Mitchell could be a league winner this year, and I, I'm just uh, you know reassured that it's not a committee. Um, either one of you guys, any thoughts on uh, Mitchell rest of the season? He's an absolute league winner. I mean, he's got like three top 10 matchups in his final four or five games or four top 10. I mean, his schedule is absolutely ridiculous. And I think he gets Houston in week 17 and yep. what would be like the fantasy championships. And I think I just saw today, someone put out on Twitter that now after this past game, that San Francisco is the most run heavy team in the entire NFL. I mean, that's being led by a guy that's averaging 30 touches a game over his last two games. I mean, this is like coming off like this whole finger thing. And then they go out and give him his highest snap share, highest rush share, and most touches he's ever had in his career. I mean, this guy's been unbelievable, and he has the best schedule of arguably probably any starting running back besides like Javante Williams over the last four or five games. So I think that Elijah Mitchell is going to win people league should he stay healthy and should that sweet little finger not not get hurt again. But it didn't matter. They gave him 33 touches. He's I'm 100% on board with you. Spence, yeah. uh, same wave? All the way in. All the way in, all the way in. Enough, enough said with that. Uh, we'll go to the opposite spectrum. So we have to make sure we be careful sometimes because we'll see some guys have a really big week and then people either dump fab or they try to trade for the guy right away or um, they kind of misdiagnose what kind of fantasy performance it actually was. So that's going to be my question here. We'll go Alex and then Spence on this one. But who had a big performance that we should not overhype because of this week? Had a big performance? Well, I think that it's Dontrell Hilliard. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I get that, sure, he's looked like the most maybe explosive back that they've had since Derrick Henry left. But Dontrell Hilliard, this is his fourth year in the NFL, and he's never had 50 rushing yards in a season in his previous three years. Season, not one game, never hit 50 in a season over his other three years. He's on the practice squad for a reason. They picked Adrian Peterson, and that the, the shell of Adrian Peterson that we saw for a reason all over Dontrell Hilliard. And the other thing that people, like, I, I can't get with people is the fact that I mean, um, sorry, Jeremy McNichols has been their passing catching back. I mean, he's the guy that's been out, and that's why Hilliard's been playing that role. But, it, like, you know, Jeremy McNichols didn't die. Like, he's not like he's not going to get a role. If anything, and they like what Hilliard's doing, it's just going to be a really annoying three-way split. I mean, do you want Deontay Foreman still out-touched him? I mean, like 20 to, I think, 14. So, again, it's not going to be anything ever where Hilliard is the clear guy and he's going to be the guy going down the stretch. I think people are overrating what he can do, especially with Jeremy McNichols probably coming back after the bye. Yeah, and I, I had to, uh, I had to like, put an asterisk on a take I had earlier because I said I wasn't interested in adding him off waivers. Um, personally, I, I didn't think I was going to play him on my teams. He went off this week. He had a really good week. But that was my big question is, like, what – when McNichols is back, what's his role going to be? And I mean, he's had two pretty good games in a row now for the Titans, so maybe he's earned some time. But at the same time, we've seen guys come in to get the touches, and then when the other guy's back, I just talked about Jeff Wilson Jr. taking the back seat to Elijah Mitchell. Might be the same with McNichols. Maybe it's Hilliard. I just, I don't know. I, I have a weird push and pull feeling about it. What, what do you think about uh, Hilliard, Spence? Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with Alex here. And I like what you're saying, Nick, especially about you weren't you told people not to play him. I think that's the total right call, even in hindsight, because the process that people were using to start him was because they thought he took the McNichols role, which was 10 targets and eight catches. That's massive. He had two targets last week. If you take away that, I mean, I'm not I'm not a guy that takes away points from players, but this could have been a really bad week if he wasn't as explosive as he was on that play where he broke off for 68 yards and a touchdown. Um, because then he would have he would have left you with I think seven 
points or six or seven points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you yeah. might as well just started Rex Burkhead. So, yeah. um, you know, it worked out the results based. It worked out for the people who ended up chasing the points, but I think they kind of got a little lucky with that 68 yard. I mean, that was, I, I don't know if you guys watched that play, but it was insane. His yeah. speed, his burst out of that hole was crazy, yeah. but and I'm happy for the for the guy for sure, but um, I don't think that that was I don't think that was something you could have predicted going into it, and I don't, I wouldn't try to predict it going forward. Who is uh, who's your pick here for the same category? Had a big week, but let's not get carried away by it. <laughs> well, you guys talked about him a little bit, a little bit uh, already. Um, Javante Williams, I love Javante Williams. Like he's one of the best running backs in the like pure running backs. He's one of the best in the league already. Just breaking tackles left and right. The dude is a stud. I think he's a little slow for sure, um, but that's not what we're talking about right here. We're talking about redraft, and Melvin Gordon is still there. He's not going away. He's, you know, this looks like a, a really good breakout game for Javante Williams. Twenty points. You're like, oh, I'm going to start him over everybody next week, but he still split the carries down the middle. He didn't have a great yards per carry week, but he got that touchdown in, and he see, he saw his normal target share. Um, I'm not expecting him to continue to score touchdowns every week. Um, uh, and I don't think, I think he's still a flex play. You're definitely playing him every week. Cause he's giving you around 10 each week. But as far as, um, starting him over anybody super, super meaningful going forward, I'm not, I'm not super interested. I'm not, I'm not sure what you guys think though. It's, it's interesting because I, I do, I, I am, am with you on with, uh, the Melvin Gordon part of it because he, I don't think he's going to go away because, you know, I had this, a lot of us had some, you know, weird feeling or maybe we thought like there's a possibility that after the buy like we've seen in the past for fantasy that the veteran like starts to slowly go away but he had 17 carries you know so he's he's still very very present um I guess it really just depends on your team if you just lost Christian McCaffrey and you don't have the opportunity to go grab somebody off the waivers maybe he's your guy and you got to hope he has a week like this um so I think the week was a good sign but it's really roster dependent for me so if I if I have like I have a team that has JT and Swift and Najee. If I also had Javante, I'm never playing Javante. But, it, but, but I also have teams yeah. where I have guys banged up and I have to play him. But uh, the week was really good, and we'd love to see that performance. He looks great, but seeing that 17 mark next to Melvin Gordon's name is is a sign that he's not going to disappear this this year. We're talking redraft here. Um, yeah. Alex, Alex, what do you think about uh, Javante Williams? Rest of the he's been as good as everyone could hope for, but I think Melvin Gordon's just been good. Like that, that's the yep. thing is I know like we expected him to just be like the Carlos Hyde, like with the Browns when Nick Chubb came in and just kind of slowly fades away. Cause he's not good, but Melvin Gordon at 28 years old has just straight up been a good running back. Like there's no reason to not play him. I get that, you know, Javante is the young guy, but Melvin Gordon's played really well. And for a team that wants to make the playoffs, I'm sure in real life, it, it makes sense to play both guys. But I think my takeaway is just Melvin Gordon's been good. And as long as he's healthy, Javante Williams won't be that guy where he's going to be the workhorse and put up those big numbers. So I, I agree with Spence. I mean, but they've both been pretty fantasy relevant. I mean, they're both top yeah. 20 backs right now. So I think that they're both at least startable, but I don't think either one of them is going to like make a difference in a league championship unless the other gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. The big reason I, I picked this guy, I picked Javante was because I don't, I don't want to see a bunch of people go trade for him and redraft after that, after that game, because it's kind of like, what we were talking about earlier with the process results on Hilliard, the process was, Oh, after the buy, he'll get the majority of the carry majority of the touches. Um, but that's not the case. He did have a really good game. So the results see good, good results, but 
uh, he got that touchdown. Like we like we keep saying touchdowns. I mean, if you score touchdowns, you score touchdowns. But yeah, he, that's not really his shtick. I'm not expecting him to continue to score touchdowns at a high rate. So um, I'm still expecting. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to talk about the process results thing a little bit because like yeah. next week yeah. he's probably going to split the carries, not get a touchdown, and then you know you'll see the same points and be like, what the heck? I thought he took over, but yeah. like you're saying, 17 touches for Melvin Gordon. My guy on the list here, uh, and I don't think. Tons and tons of people are going to go rush and grab them on the waiver wire, but maybe some would because I, you know, what really kind of triggered me as I was reading on ESPN, they're like, Darren Waller might miss time. He could get an increase in his role after this big week. And I'm looking at some things and I'm looking at Deshaun Jackson and I'm looking, I, I look at 19.2 fantasy points. That's good. 102 receiving yards. That looks good too. But then I see four targets and I see, Renfro, nine targets. Zay Jones, seven targets. Foster Moreau, five targets. So you look at where he is in the pecking order of the targets. You look at 48% of the snaps being played. So he's not even on the field for 50% of the snaps. And then the previous two games, he combined for one target. I know he's new in the system and you have that aspect, but it's very like MVS-esque where you're like really hoping that he just makes that one play that gives him the flex play, uh, the rest of uh, that week. Um, so I'm, I'm out on Deshaun Jackson just because even with Waller out, I think that there's too many other guys that are more important to this team and you're just going to ho hope and pray for a big touchdown. So um, maybe he should be a waiver wire guy to consider if you are in a deeper league. Uh, but for me, if you got seven ben uh, bench spots, I'm, I'm not interested. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know though. What do you guys, what do you guys think about Deshaun Jackson rest of the season? No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I would say he seems like an interesting target for like uh, DFS and stuff. Um, and obviously the best yeah. ball people are happy for sure. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, the only reason I would ever start him is if I'm like going into Monday night and he plays and I'm down 18, you know, and the waiver wire is like Rex Burkhead. It's like, well, I guess I'll just try to get 20 from Deshaun Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. if you really got to shoot for the stars one week or something, I guess there's some cause to try him out but i'm not super interested in that archetype yeah I agree. go ahead alex no i agree i agree i don't have anything to add yeah i i i think he just might be one of those guys like you're you're gonna be down in a matchup and you're like man i do i get <laughs> jameson crowder for 10 points or do i hope to get you know a big touchdown from uh from from deshaun uh jackson for that uh shifting things over so talked about big weeks positive weeks also want to shout out my guy nate williams in the chat He's been super active. Great guy. We just mentioned DFS. A guy kills it uh, with my guy, D Brown. Uh, great show between them two guys. Um, so we looked at good performances and how to react. Let's look at bad performances and how we react to certain things here. And the bad performance uh, that we shouldn't be worried about. That's the new topic here. So, uh, Spence, we can start with you again on this. So a guy had a bad week. Let's not get carried away. Let's not get too worried about this bad week. Yeah. Uh, for redraft. So I'm mainly, I'll, I'll preface this take with, I'm mainly a dynasty guy. So mm -hmm. I pay attention to the younger guys a little bit more for sure. Yeah. Um, but Rashad Bateman is a guy who, you know, was injured at the beginning of the season and then he comes back and then, you know, you see a really good target share. It's like six targets every week. And then you see six targets still last week, but then he doesn't really get many yards, no touchdowns still on the season. And you're kind of disappointed. And then this week, he, he, you know, four targets, four catches, not something you're excited about. He's got a 44% snap share on this on this game. And it was just a weird game overall. You know, Mark Andrews with those four picks. I mean, not Mark Andrews, but Lamar Jackson being targeted on four picks. Just a weird game. 
I wouldn't look too much into it. I think he's still a solid flex play going forward. Um, and I don't know how you guys feel about him. I mean, he's not like been amazing. Um, obviously he missed a bunch of times, so he's not going to be high in your, you know, total points uh, leaderboard, but I think he still has a good shot to finish the season out really well. It's like a wide receiver three flex guy. But um, what do you guys think about, about Rashad Bateman going forward? Uh, for for me with Bateman, you know, I, I there was a lot of good signs for him, you know, immediately coming into the NFL after missing time and getting back-to-back six target games. And then after that, back-to-back eight target games. So uh, those are good signs. I feel like some of those weeks, he was a touchdown away from being talked about a ton. I mean, if he's going to score so 11 or 14 fantasy points, but then one of those is for a touchdown and now he's got 20 or 16 or 17, completely different weeks. So I think he's a touchdown away from having a good game. Uh, it was a very, very weird game for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm going to say the last thing I'll say about Bateman, ESPN still rostered in 45.7% of leagues. He, he should be rostered. He should be rostered 100%. personally. Uh, Alex, what do, you, what do you think about Bateman? I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's something that we like. It's the, you know, you shouldn't be worried about him because I just don't think he's really been, been that great, honestly. And it, it's not getting any better is the problem because the last three games, He's played against teams that are bottom six in points given up. So they've been like really good matchups, the best three matchups he'll see all season. And he's put up 7.7, 4.4, and 11 half PPR points. And over the last four weeks of the season, so he plays Pittsburgh next week. They're a good matchup. But his final four weeks, his best matchup is the 19th most fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, which is like a borderline, like red, not good matchup. So I don't think it's really going to get much better. I'm like, I love to see the targets. I love the talent and dynasty. I think he's going to be a really good player for a really long time, but I don't think he's going to even be flex worthy in fantasy. He's clearly the number three guy behind Marquise Brown or or Mark Andrews. I think it's either he catches a touchdown or bust and he doesn't have any good matchups over the fantasy playoffs or the last four weeks. So I just don't think he's really going to be that great. Should he be rostered because of the talent? Sure. But I just don't think we've, we haven't seen a good fantasy performance in six games. I think he's touchdown or bust. Let me flip it on you real quick. I got a question. Obviously, like you said, he had some good matchups, right? The last few weeks and then not really seeing much production. And then next or in the next, what was it? Five weeks. He said, it's yeah. kind of other than the Steelers, obviously. It's a it's kind of a rocky matchup. Is it maybe yeah. because the better the teams that are are worse against uh wide receivers or tight ends or whatever are giving up more to like the Marquise Brown and the and the Mark Andrews of the world. Uh and then he's not needing to go to Bateman. You know what I mean? Like where that coverage is kind of being diluted so they don't have to worry about um that going on, but say it goes into these bad matchups where, you know, Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews are getting bottled up, then you see more Rashad Bateman. Is that possible in your in your eyes, do you think? Well, I, do, I think the only problem with that is the fact that over the last five games, I mean, they played Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Green Bay, Cincinnati, and the Rams. And the only real guy that shadows people who doesn't even shadow people that much is Jair Alexander. I know that, I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a thing, but Jalen Ramsey has not shadowed someone all season. They're not playing a true shadow corner over the last five weeks. And either way, he's been going up against some of the worst corners in the league over the last few weeks. Sure, that's that's an argument for, you know, why they throw to Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews more. But even over the last, you know, five weeks, there's no true, like, shutdown corner, like, guy that shadows someone every single week that they're playing. So I still don't think that he's going to be that much, especially if they're not playing a guy that, will follow a player for more than like 70% of the routes that'll take away Marquise Brown. All right. I like it. 
it's, I like both perspectives here, and it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to have some sort of side bet on uh, rest of season points per game or something like that for Rashad Bateman. That's uh, that's an interesting one, though, for sure. Uh, Alex, uh, same same topic, same topic. They had a bad week, but let's not be worried about it. Cam Newton. Cam Newton's definitely the guy. If people are worried about him, I think you're you're a little crazy. And this is what I go back to. I, I don't know how many – I feel bad for if any of my podcast listeners are listening to this because I've probably said this like a 100 times um, this offseason – but going into the season, Jalen Hurts was a guy I was high on because of this one, one stat that Ewan Hart has put out months ago, and this applies to Cam Newton. So since 2012, players that have had more than 4.5 rush attempts per game, 4.5, it's not a lot to ask for. Those players have been a QB8 or better on average. 19 out of 22 QBs since 2012 have been a top eight QB in points per game You know when, when they've averaged at least four and a half rush attempts per game. The only three QBs to not hit a top eight QB mark over that span where it was 2012 Tim Tebow, like, come on, 2014 Colin Kaepernick and 2020 Cam Newton. And I know people are saying, oh, well, you know, Cam Newton's already done it once before. Why not? Well, Demir Bird was the wide receiver one for Cam Newton before. I mean, Demir Bird and a year ago, Jacoby Myers that weren't doing anything. Ryan Izzo was their leading tight end. You know, like that's, that's why that he was outside and he was the QB 15 on the year. Whereas Cam Newton now has DJ Moore and he has Rob Anderson, which I mean, I don't believe much in him, but again, he has DJ Moore. He has some weapons, even without CMC. So I think he's going to be just fine. And just by that stat alone, unless he's historically bad, he's going to be a top eight QB rest of the season. And he has a really nice schedule against three out of four games. I think that he has left this season are against teams that are in the bottom 15 and points given up. I got a quick side question uh, because it's very relevant based off of news today. Uh, How big of an impact does no McCaffrey have on, on Cam Newton. Do you think it has a big impact? Um, does it, does it, do you still have confidence in him? What, what do you think about that? I don't, I don't lose much confidence in him because I think that it's just going to be a little bit more rushing load. That's going to be given on to Cam. I, I think the, like the, the, you know, the, whether how much he goes up or down is hard to say because then he'll take on a little bit more of a rushing load. Obviously he doesn't have CMC to target, which is helpful out of the backfield. But I think overall with maybe the extra added rushing work or goal line work or whatever it is, because CMC is such a playmaker and touchdown scorer that maybe, you know, Cam Newton might take some of more of those goal line looks like we saw him do for new England last year. But I think all in all, it's, the way it's going to even out won't make it too much of a difference spence what's your what's your thoughts cam newton rest of the season oh, yeah i'm all in all in yeah all i right. love it all right all right so one one down week i mean we've seen it's it's funny because guys like cam will have a bad week like this and i'm i gotta be careful because i said he was a really good stream this week and it looked like that on paper but uh we've seen a lot of guys Dak prescott what last week had two fantasy points we saw patrick mahomes uh two weeks ago as well, have like seven fantasy points, but usually that goes out the door. And then when a guy like Cam has it, then it's two different things. But um, uh, I'll, I'll shift over to my guy. Uh, my guy's Michael Pittman Jr., who's not been great lately. Uh, 9.3 fantasy points this week. He was super inefficient. I think he was dropping some balls, uh, which he doesn't do a ton. Um, and if we look at weeks 10 through 12, He's been the wide receiver 34, so he's really dropped off in his production the last few weeks, but I'm optimistic because of what we've seen good out of him. Week seven through nine, so if I look at a different three-week span, he was the wide receiver two. Uh, He just had a 10-target game. It didn't work out in his favor. He didn't perform very well, but the targets were were still there. He's had games twice of 12 targets. He's had a 15-target game, so that's good. And then we look at just the fantasy production in general. 
four games over 20 fantasy points. He had the highest, uh, his highest game was 30.6 fantasy points. So we know the ceiling is there. We know that he has some good weeks in him. I'm, I'm suggesting him on this list just because I think that, you know, the last two weeks have not been great for him. I don't think he needs to go to your bench. I think we've seen too many good weeks out of Michael Pittman Jr. for him to say, you know, or for, for the manager to say, Hey, he's got to go to my bench. He only scored me nine points this week. So I still have confidence in him just because of what I've seen this year. He's been really good this year um, outside of some recent performances. But uh, you guys have that same – we'll go Spence and Alex. You guys, you guys have that same sort of optimism for Michael Pittman Jr., or do you have a little bit more concern than I do? I got to jump in because I'm, I'm, I'm against Pittman. I just talked about him on my podcast, unfortunately, my biggest takeaways. And I'm, I'm not on Pittman for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, I think the last three games that we've seen him not play well have all coincided with T.Y. Hilton being back. T.Y. Hilton is not demanding this like massive target share and taking away from Pittman, but I think it's you know fairly that it's correlated in all the games that Hilton has played in. Pittman hasn't done as well, and the games that Pittman has not had Hilton, he's demanded a much higher target share. I mean, especially since week six, his targets have been 3-4-15, which is great, 6-5-5-10. Five, five, I mean, I don't think the targets, he's only gone, I mean, three times since week six, I mean, over six targets, sure, that's fine. But the thing that I'm really concerned about Pittman is he's got a great matchup against Houston week in week 13. Mm-hmm. But over the final four weeks of the season, he has a bye week, and then he plays the Patriots, who are like top five against wide receivers. And then he plays the Cardinals in fantasy semifinals, who are top 10 against wide receivers. And then he finishes the season against Vegas, who's top six against wide receivers. I mean, those are all really, really tough matchups. And especially when those are all what we call red matchups, and he's only had two of them so far this season. And he has three of them over the last three weeks with a bye week. That concerns me a little bit with Pittman. I mean, obviously, he's still the guy there. And I love Michael Pittman, the player. I'm not bashing him, the player. But three straight under 10. His last four weeks are a bye and three red matchups. That definitely concerns me. Yeah, I think uh, so for the, the Hilton points, interesting. Um, the only thing I'd say is he's not on the field a ton the last couple yeah. games. So, I mean, he I guess he's like there but he's not really on the field a ton, but um, I, I, I hear you with that. I hear you with the matchups. I'm just thinking that in, in some of these tighter games, he has, if I look at my fantasy roster and I'm like, who has the best opportunity to get 10 targets in this game? I think that for him to be, you know, not one of those guys, you might have a really stacked wide receiver team. So um, very real good points. I, 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 uh, I hear you on all those things. Um, Spence, uh, you got to divide us here. You got to either go with Alex. You got to go with me. I know I'm hosting, but you can completely yeah. go against me here. It doesn't matter. I'm kind of in the middle. I was super out on Michael Pittman coming into the year, and then he just kind of came in like lights out. He's been awesome. Um, I was I follow the Colts a lot because of JT, so I watch all yeah. their games. Um, last week was just horrendous. I mean, third down, he basically loses a touchdown because he slips on the grass, and then next third down, he um doesn't turn back on the turn back to Wentz quick enough and he and he doesn't get to the ball and then the next third down the ball just flies right out of his hands like it, it was a bad week I think it was just a bad week and he still gave you nine nine points and you know I think that's that's totally serviceable obviously you want way more but for a really bad week in my opinion from him I thought it was uh I thought it was like admirable and then I'll mention with the Buffalo game you're talking about T.Y. Hilton and T.Y. Hilton games here I don't really buy into that too much i mean jonathan taylor just completely steamrolled the bills i don't really just think they just didn't even throw that much let alone anybody uh, i don't think that that was his fault that he didn't perform well basically is what i'm getting at 
what about um, going forward uh go ahead go ahead oh you're good sorry um i mean i think the other thing i mean i just looked right now at the snap counts i mean hilton's played at least 40 percent of the snaps all five games he's played pitman's gone over 10 points one time in the five games that he's played with ty hilton ty hilton's played at least 40 percent of the snaps in all those i mean he's not playing 90 percent of the snaps but i think it's at least making a difference i mean the correlation with the targets and everything like that. The one game that he didn't was against that Tennessee who's given up the most points to wide receivers this season. That was obviously a different game, but the other four games he's played with Hilton, he's been held under 10 points. I mean, I don't know when, and then he's got his three, three of his toughest four matchups of the season coming up over the last three weeks. I mean, that's just, that's just concerning. I love Michael Pittman. I'm just open up for discussion. No, no hate here at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're good. Absolutely. And that's, that's what we want on these podcasts. Cause I, I rather have people come on and you got it. You, I say something and you have a different perspective or you say something that I don't versus all holding hands and high-fiving each other. I think that makes for better football discussions because we're all thinking differently. So I appreciate it actually. So uh, Spence, were, were you continuing on or? Yeah, sorry. I'll just finish with, I agree with Nick. Like, don't be worried about Michael Pittman. Like the 10 and four stat line looks bad, but I think he is a player is fine. I'm not worried about Michael Pittman at all. Like, but I will side with Alex here and the fact that, He's probably not your best wide receiver going forward towards the end of the season, if that makes sense. The expectation. So I, I would say don't. Come. Yeah, don't be worried about Michael Pittman because he had a bad week. Be worried about Michael Pittman because of what's to come. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I respect that as well. I mean, we we've seen really really high production, and maybe we have to temper our expectations the rest of the season for him. Um, same topic, opposite uh, spectrum here. They had a bad day, and it is concerning. Um, Spence will go to you. They had a bad week. You're concerned rest of the season. Yeah. So after the uh, Odell trade, we talked about Odell a bit, a little bit already. After the Odell trade, I thought that Donovan Peoples Jones was just going to be the dude. Um, we saw a couple flashes from some other guys earlier in the season, like Anthony Schwartz, and then uh, Demetric Felton made an appearance for a week. Um, but then Donovan Peoples Jones had 12 points and then 26 points, and then I believe he was out of game, and then he had 16 points. And like to me, that was like, okay, this guy. I mean, it's not amazing what we're seeing from him, like as far as targets and, and yards and stuff. But I mean, he's putting up fantasy points. That's what you like to see. You know, I'm not too scared to back away from fantasy points just because it's not exactly how I like it. But then uh, week 10 to, uh, against the Patriots had like nothing. And then uh, last uh, last game against Baltimore, like we said, it was a weird game. Uh, it was it was a super weird game, but I don't like it. Uh, I don't like what we've seen from Donald Peoples-Jones post-trade. I expected way more. And I've been let down and I think it's time to move on uh, in the future and just accept Nick Chubb is back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nick Chubb is back and it's just going to be pounding. You know, they're just going to pound the uh, ground game again. Alex, what do you think? DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones. What do you, what do you think rest of the season here? I think he's like Burger King. There's definitely days where he looks really interesting and, and you want to believe, especially after they have a new ad, you know, where they talk about 50 cent or whoever it is in their last commercial and you want to get excited and you want to try it, but it, it just keeps, you know, not being inspired. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm definitely not in on Donovan people's Jones either. Man. I, I really wanted him to be a thing too. Just, just from seeing like week six, like massive game. And then week nine yeah. looks pretty good. But I mean, the, the cat, he's so young too. Like yeah. I said, I like to focus yeah. on the young guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm dynasty guy, so I focus on the young guys. And this is just a guy I thought had some potential, and I was just – I think I'm wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, Alex, who, who's your guy? Same ca category. Bad performance. You're, you're concerned. 
it's Mike Williams for me. And and I get there there might be some people like they're sitting here like really dude, like you picked Mike Williams, like he hasn't been good for like a long time. But I thought there was there was a good amount of people, myself included, that watched last week and he had the fifty yard touchdown and we're like, okay, like is he is he back? And and we found out very quickly this past week that no indeed he is not back. I mean, his last six games, he's had five games outside the top forty wide receivers and finish. I mean, the one week where he caught that 50-yard touchdown at the end of the game versus Pittsburgh was the only time he's been inside the top 40 wide receivers since week six. And I think the biggest thing that people saw is like when his ADOT, the first five weeks when he was going crazy, was like 9.8. But now it's more of where his career has been over 15 with the ADOT, and that is not correlated well to fantasy production. And again, that's why we've seen the last, you know, six or seven weeks or so that he just hasn't produced like we hoped he would. So I think it's, you know, we should be worried because this was kind of like the shutting of the door after he held it open and got us a little bit excited. But, you know, it's just it's just not it, unfortunately, for Mike Williams, as bad as I would like to see him succeed. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something he's doing to inspire confidence. He did have eight targets for the first time since, like, week five, I think. But, again, he's just not producing by any means right now. Yeah, and like uh, you said with the, the depth of the throw, and, I mean, eight, eight targets ended up being 39 receiving yards. So, I mean – he's not doing what you expected him to do, what we saw when he had earlier games of season where he had 122 receiving yards and then another week with 165. And he's really liked that like seven-ish points mark for fantasy because the last four weeks he's hit that about three of them or exactly three of them. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, it, it It's terrible because he was so red hot at the beginning of the season and it was the biggest tease. And I think last week was another tease because he's going back to similar production. Uh, any thoughts on on big Mike Williams Spence. Yeah, that was the, it was the least tease ever. I have, I had no shares of Mike Williams. I had nothing. I didn't yeah. look at the guy, you know, people would say 10 touchdowns then thousand yards. And I wasn't even thinking about this guy, but then obviously they're talking about this new role. They got cooked up for him the, the, in the Lombardi offense. And he came out lights blazing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to lose in every league because whoever has this guy is just going to win. Yeah. And now I'm I'm totally on board. I'm like, all right, well, I'm ready to roll you now because Jonathan Taylor is the guy I got on every team. And and he's got a great rest of the season. And Mike Williams is probably about to do nothing the rest of the season. So I'm totally with you. I don't think that this role is going to be sustainable. I think Keenan Allen is just going to continue to be the guy he's always been, like his whole career. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. guy to bet on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my guy, I'll talk about bad performance. I'm concerned. And maybe I'll get a little pushback, but – it's it's got to be Kyle Pitts, and it's not it's not fully on Kyle Pitts. It, it it's really not if you look at a lot of things. But he's not scored above ten fantasy points since week seven. He's struggling to have good games, and you know I, I thought with no Calvin Ridley, he would get an up stick in targets. Maybe he would see eight nine targets weekly. It hasn't been like that though. Five and six targets the last two games. That's not the sign we we wanted, and he's been very frustrating in fantasy because if you look at the sample size weeks eight through twelve. He's been the tight end 22. So guys like Jeff Swaim, David Njoku, Adam Troutman, <laughs> Cole Kmet, Dan Arnold, Jack Doyle have all been better weeks 8 through 12, and it's frustrating. And I, I look at the quarterback, and I look at Matt Ryan. He hasn't thrown for 200 yards in the last three games. He's only had one touchdown in the last three games. The completion percentage for Matt Ryan has been really iffy as well, uh, and he has yet to throw 30 times in one of these, uh, I, I think, most of the season, actually. Uh, so it's it's a weird thing for the Falcons because we we thought that you know his role would increase as far as the targets go 
He's probably still, you know, one of the better targeted tight ends in the league, but the production's not been there. And I'm really looking at Matt Ryan uh, when it comes to this. But I think you're kind of getting to this point where if you're getting these dud games out of Kyle Pitts, you might have to shift to somebody else in, in the fantasy playoffs. I, I, I think his ceiling is very different than other tight ends. So that's what makes me hesitate because we've seen these 20 point fantasy weeks. But at the same time, we see, you know, guys like Pat Fryermuth, like, is he just a better play the rest of the season? Because we're seeing better fantasy weeks out of him. Um, he's just been frustrating for me, Kyle Pitts. And I, I, I just don't see a lot of good signs right now. Um, what, what, what are your guys' thoughts about Kyle Pitts? I love Kyle Pitts. Great dynasty player. I love Kyle Pitts. But what's your thoughts? Redraft. I want to let Alex go. I'm super curious to hear what Alex has to think about this. Well, I mean, again, like I think the, the target share, the volume has definitely been there. But like you said, Matt Ryan's just not putting up enough passing yards. And like I love Kyle Pitts, the player. Again, I'm sure Spence absolutely loves. He loves the young guys. He loves Dynasty. <laughs> he loves surprise. <laughs> and wants the, you know, wants to believe in him. But again, if we keep talking about matchups and again, like I get it, it's, it is matchup season because there's only five weeks of fantasy season left. It's yep. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I mean, there's literally five weeks in the fantasy season in four out of the final five weeks, he plays a team that's top 10 against tight ends. I mean, that's, and that's the last four weeks straight. I'm not saying that like Kyle Pitts could never be relevant because he has a tough matchup. No, like I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that what he's done since week eight, which has been less than eight or less points in every single game. And then with a super tough schedule going down the stretch, unless Calvin Ridley returns, I think if Ridley returns to take some pressure off, they yeah. can, but Otherwise, unless they're trying to stop the two, I mean, really, Cordell Patterson outside the backfield, Kyle Pitts is the only guy they have to stop. And unfortunately, I think Kyle Pitts is just a little bit too young to be completely matchup proof and, like, you know, outdoing everybody as he did those couple weeks, which I wish he could. But I'm, I'm curious to see what Spence has to say. But because of the tough matchup, his past production, no Calvin Ridley taking any pressure off, I'm, I'm definitely fading Kyle Pitts as well. Yeah, I yeah, so that's funny you thought that I would be super in on Kyle Pitts. I was a huge Kyle Pitts fader based on price and, and everything as far as like dynasty goes. But redraft, it was crazy too. He was going ahead of like TJ Hawkinson and and yeah. you know all these guys. I was it was crazy to me. But then I watched him this year. And like you guys said, the fantasy production is miserable. I mean, he had those two huge, huge weeks. Yeah. Um, but those those had either a touchdown or he went for over 150 yards. You know what I mean? So what I'll say is you listed off every single one of those guys in week eight to 12 who scored more fantasy points than them. I guarantee you every single one of them scored a touchdown. Now you see five or more targets every single game. And since that in that same time frame, you're bound to get a touchdown here or there. Now you said Matt Ryan has been Matt has been miserable. He's been terrible. Um, Cordell Patterson has been the guy who you want to have on that team. The only guy. Um, but like you said, Calvin Ridley coming back could be cool. Um, I'm I'm on the side with you, Alex, actually. Like, I don't want to play him the rest of the year, but I don't think there's many guys I'm going to sit over. I I will probably sit Pat Fryermuth over him. But, I mean, after that, that tier, like, I'm not starting Dan Arnold over Kyle Pitts. I'm not. Um, it, I don't care about the matchup as much it's it's player based for me as far as the tight end goes it's more important i think unless you're really streaming it and if you draft a kyle pitts you're not trying to stream tight end i think you just start him every week and hope for the best because i mean he 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 is in the prime position to to produce but it's just not working out for him right now and i think he's talented enough to to bring it out but um if you have anybody better dawson knox pat fryermuth you know any of those guys i'll definitely fire him up over him 
but I think the list is shorter than we would want it to be to give actionable advice to sit Kyle Pitts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you with that. And I think, uh, I think that's a common theme in the show today is like being concerned, being optimistic. A lot of the times you can be concerned, but your roster cannot afford for you to sit Michael Pittman or sit Kyle Pitts or sit some of these guys that we've mentioned today. Otherwise there's, you know, some, some leagues you play in where you have a lot of push and pull for your roster, but, uh, good, good points all around for Pitts. Um, getting closer to 50 minute mark here. So we'll, we'll move on to, uh, a different topic, but it kind of reflects on this week waiver wire. So tomorrow's going to be the big day that people bid their fab or they go and, you know, make their waiver uh, claim priorities. And there's some interesting names this week. And, you know, I'm taking notes. I was like making a thread of stuff earlier on, on Twitter. And then it's just like, boom, like injury note injury. You know, this came back, it was negative and now it looks really bad. And we've seen the likes of Christian McCaffrey looks like he's done. We got uh, Delvin Cook with the torn lab, uh, labrum. We got some wide receivers that have stepped their game up. So the big question, and I kind of threw my answer in there first. I might have called some dibs here. But uh, who's the number one waiver wire priority in uh, for, for players that are rostering under 50%? I said of ESPN leagues here. Uh, but I, I, I picked uh, Alexander Madison. Um, and here's, here's why. So we got Delvin Cook, the torn labrum and dislocation. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. Alexander Madison, here's a, a cool stat. So uh, for games the last two seasons that he played in 50% or more of the snaps, here's his fantasy scores. 28.3 this year in week five. 23.10, this is PPR, in, in week three this year. Last season, 29.5 in week 17. Last season, 16.6 in week five. So small sample size. But he has been great when he gets the touches. He's been great when he plays 50% or more of snaps, and that's what he's going to do. Some people have thrown in, uh, and I won't even butcher the last name, but the rookie Kenny, I think, in Gagwe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some people have uh, mentioned him, and maybe he gets some touches in, in this system, but it's going to be no. Alexander Madison's job. It's going to be his job. He's going to get somewhere between, who knows, 16 to probably 22 touches weekly now. Uh, so that's the number one guy. If, if you have to pick him between – Anybody else for me, that's who I'm picking. He has a juicy matchup against Detroit this week. Um, Alex, I seen you actually tweet about uh, Madison right before I, I started the show today. So it seems like you, uh, you're you about it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, my guy was Chubba Hubbard because you took you know Madison. But Hub like Madison should be the number one pickup, not Hubbard. It's insane to me. I'd rather not talk about Hubbard. I actually want to just talk about Hubbard in a negative light and why he should be the number two pickup and not sure. the number one. Because sure. – I mean, Hubbard's final five weeks, I and mean, people, again, this is where people are trying to make the playoffs. Week 13, he has a bye. Week 14, he has a great matchup against Atlanta. And then his final three games are against three of the toughest eight defenses against running backs. I mean, he's got Buffalo, eighth toughest, Tampa Bay, sixth toughest. And then in championship week, where you are going to win or lose all of your money, they're playing the New Orleans Saints, who have allowed 200-yard rushers over the last three seasons, and they were both in the same game with Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts last season. I mean, it's just unreal. They're, that's that's his matchup. Yep. Where Madison, again, like Cook could play, sure, like that's great, but Madison doesn't have even a single top eight tough matchup. Whereas Chubba Hubbard has a bye week, 
and three top eight difficulty matchups over the last five weeks. Hubbard is still number two because he's going to get the touches, but even in this season in their spot starts, Chubba Hubbard averaged 21 touches a game in the five starts. That's fantastic, but Madison averaged 25 and a half carries and seven and a half targets in his two starts. Granted, they were good matchups and everything like that, but Hubbard had some really great matchups too. But Madison, because of his upside, because he's not playing the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Bucks in the fantasy playoffs, and the fact that he's getting more touches, more fantasy points per game like we've seen in his spot starts over the last two years. And I think it's also worth an argument that, you know, sure, like Amir Abdul out-targeted Chubba Hubbard last game with CMC out. But, like, I think that, I mean, Hubbard is going to take over that role. But, again, what I'm trying to say is Hubbard has way less upside with the schedule that he plays. Madison has way more with the production that he's had and everything that he's done over the last two seasons when he's got to start. I think Madison is the clear number one pickup. All right, yeah. same page there, and, and you did mention uh, mention a Hubbard. So if you can't get Madison, maybe that's your next guy on the list or your third guy on the list. And I actually just got a, a notification as we're talking here. Uh, Henderson suffered a quad strain versus the Packers. So something else to kind of monitor. Tony Michelle season? Could be, could be. Oh. Spent uh-huh. thoughts, on, thoughts on any of those guys, and then if you had somebody different, uh, curious to hear what uh, your opinions are here. Yeah, so obviously, I mean, if we're ranking them, you know what I mean? I agree with you guys. It goes Madison, Chuba, and then for me, the third pickup, I, he's barely making the cutoff of that um, under 50%, you know, like where most leagues you don't you don't have him on a roster, is um, Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift, I'm unclear what his timeline is looking like. One to two weeks, maybe he might play next week. I don't know, but I think Jamal Williams takes the role. I mean, he's worth. He's definitely a flex play if, if uh, DeAndre Swift is out. But I will say for... Um, the Chuba versus Madison argument. I'm in total agreement with Alex. Um, I think the bigger deal, yeah. I, I, I just don't trust Chuba the way I trust Madison. I trust Madison to beat out Keen Nuagnu, whatever. You know, Mike Boone left. I'm not worried about him getting a 40 yard run or whatever, anything. But with Chuba Hubbard, you got Royce Freeman and and Abdullah, like you mentioned. I mean, it's not a there's not t- like massive competition, but it's way more. Like you said, the bad bad matchups, probably less touchdowns. I mean, the Vikings are just a dominant run offense. Kirk Cousins is always going to be solid. You know what I mean? We saw a down game from Cam Newton. The whole offense kind of hurts. So I'm super in on Madison, then Chuba, and then Jamal Williams. I mean, if he's there, he's free. Pick him up. Hopefully, hopefully stash him or play him. DeAndre Swift might be out. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think I think this week it's looking like he's not going to play. I'm sure Alex and I are probably on the same page and we're like pounding the table and crossing our fingers. It's only this week. Uh, but we saw this last game when DeAndre Swift exited, Jamal Williams uh, had 20 touches, 15 yeah. carries, five catches. So the volume is going to be there if he is the starter. So I, I do like that call um, as well. Alex, same page for uh, Jamal. Yeah, absolutely. I love Jamal. I mean, he's going to be a great play this week. He's going to be the bell cow, going to be the workhorse. I mean, they have no one else to play running back. And like we saw with Swift, I mean, he's not the same talent. They hardly have wide receivers. Exactly. Yeah, they don't have anybody. I mean, so again, Swift played in over 90% of the snaps and Williams was out. I expect Williams to actually play over 90% of the snaps. I think he's going to be a running back one as long as Swift is out. He's just number three behind Hubbard and Madison because I think Swift's only going to miss one to two weeks max where exactly. Madison and Hubbard I mean, it could, are both going to be starting, could be starting running backs come week 16 and 17. That's a good point because that's that's how you can prioritize your your claims here because who yep. you want to play for the one week? Maybe you need to. Maybe I, I'm in a league right now that I know that 
I have to win this week to make playoffs in a league. But I'm also in some other leagues that I'm, I'm good. I got the first seed by. I want the guy that I'm going to utilize for more than one week. So that's a good way to put things there. Um, I did throw in the show sheet. You don't have to have an explanation or anything. I've been asking people that come on all the time. Because if it does hit, I'll just like clip the, uh, the video here and uh, do the victory lap for you guys. But last question of the show. Don't have to have an explanation, but what is your hot take for the rest of the season? Just call it out. And a Alex, what's, what's yours? Mine's Logan Thomas is going to be a top five tight end for the season. I mean, maybe not, you know, this game against Seattle. They're still a really great matchup. But over his final five weeks, he plays Vegas, fourth most points given up to tight ends. He plays Dallas twice, eighth most points given up to tight ends. And in week six, sorry, in week 15 and 17, the semi, sorry, quarterfinal and championship week, he plays the Philadelphia Eagles, single most points given up to tight ends. Logan Thomas was a top three tight end from week 10 on last year, 11 and a half, half PPR points per game with Alex Smith. I mean, this guy's been playing like 100% of the snaps, led the NFL in routes run, led the NFL in snaps last year, was doing it this year for the first three weeks before we got hurt against Atlanta. I mean, Logan Thomas is the dude when he's going to play. I'm not saying I think he's going to be a top five tight end because of how nice his schedule is down the stretch. I threw in a player prop uh, article for fantasy points today that I think he's going to score. I think he's going to score because uh, he uh, he had two touchdowns in his three games that he was actually healthy in. So he was getting a lot of looks there. The system wanted him to score. I think he's going to score tonight. Maybe he doesn't have a massive week. I think he's going to score tonight. Uh, Spence, your any thoughts on Logan Thomas and then give us your hot take for the rest of the season. Yeah, I love the Logan Thomas uh, take. I have a lot of him in best ball because I feel like he was super underrated. And then I kind of got burned because of the injury. Yeah. Unluck unlucky. But yeah, I'm hoping he comes back and just tears it up because that would be awesome. Um, mine, I mean, obviously I'm JTRB1. So for him to finish as the RB1 would, I mean, it's not a hot take right now. But at the beginning of the season, I promise it was a hot take. But um, my actual hot take, I'll say Brandon Ayuk is back. He's going to have more receiving fantasy production than Kittle and Debo the rest of the season. He is going like Debo has gotten a lot of carries the last couple of weeks. He's been super involved. He might score more fantasy points. It's definitely possible. He's definitely looked like a monster. But if we just take that that raw um, wide receiver production out, the, the targets and whatnot, I think that we'll see Brandon Ayuk score more fantasy points the rest of the season. All right, and we got Debo banged up right now, so hopefully he's not out too long. But his no, role is he? even more. I, I think Debo is banged up. Yeah, right. He's out one to two weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's such a weak take. No, it's not. I mean, we got, no, we got more is. than one that's or two. Terrible. No, we got more than one one to two weeks coming up here. I mean, no, no that's that's good. That, that's fine. That Maybe that news we'll broke like an hour ago. Points per game. There you All go. right, there you go. That that's yeah. fair. That is fair. That is fair. All right, uh, we're gonna close things up here. Really appreciate both of your guys' time again. I shot both of you guys a DM. It wasn't super in advance, so I really appreciate you guys. Uh, coming on the show, um, interacting with you guys plenty of times. It's always nice to go face-to-face. -face. Uh, as we close things out, um, we'll go Alex and then Spence. Remind everybody where to find you and then any, anything else you want to plug as we close the show. Yeah, man. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on first and foremost. You can find me on Twitter mainly at Alex Caruso at the Fresh Fantasy Podcast and any big podcast platform. Um, but mainly the biggest thing is obviously TikTok at Fresh underscore Fantasy. Like I said, New videos coming out every single day, usually 30 seconds or less. And I was at 60 or less, but it's almost always 30 or less. Try to give you the best fantasy information possible. But 
It's been a pleasure to talk ball with you guys, talk a little shop, finally get to meet you and talk to you, Nick, after we avoided each other for so long at the Expo. That's finally get to make it happen. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for uh, coming on. Spence, where can we find you? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, super easy. At JTRB1 everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, Writing at Yards Per, uh, co-host of Fantasy Newsroom. And then also I want to make a, a shout out. Uh, I don't have TikTok. Like I said, I wish I did. I wish I was that cool. Freaking TikTok is a new wave and I'm just not there. But I'm super big into charity. Charity is like my favorite part about this fantasy space. You know, Scott Fishbowl has been awesome. Super excited about that and what the you know finals are going to hold for that. But I have a pinned tweet. It's if JT doesn't finish his RB1, then I'll donate a dollar for how many retweets it is. We're almost at 500. If we were able to get like way up there, that would be super awesome. I'm going to donate either way. Uh, I haven't figured out what I'm going to do if he does finish RB1 because I thought there was kind of no way he would. So then I was like, let me, you know, figure it out. But um, yeah, pin tweet if you guys want to hit that up. And then if you um, have the if you have it available, you know, donate to your local charities. Look at stuff that you're interested in. There's tons of there's tons of organizations out there that are trying to help people in ways that you might have been affected earlier in life or anything like that. You know, No Kid Hungry is my favorite. When I was a kid, there was a lot of meals I missed. I was fortunate enough to get the free lunch meals at school, um, but those aren't guaranteed for everybody. So, you know, find a charity you really like, promote it, whatever you can do to help, you know, the people that are less fortunate. That's a great plug. Very, very respected. I just retweeted your uh, pin tweet as, as we were talking. Uh, thanks for sharing uh, your thoughts on that and a little bit about your uh, your thoughts and experience. That's a great plug right there. Uh, I really appreciate that on the show. Um Thank you guys once again for, for uh, coming on. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether it was live, YouTube, Twitter, uh, on the podcast itself. Um, John McGlynn will be hosting his uh, commissioner evaluation with David Mendelson tomorrow on uh, this podcast. I'll be featured on the Triple Play podcast tomorrow. Me and Kevin show on Wednesday, and then the Fantasy Points Extra Show, uh, Extra Points Show on Sunday. I'll be there, and then just active uh, throughout the week. So, uh, again, Thanks for tuning in and have a good night, guys. And uh, big game tonight. Good luck in your your fantasy matchups. Peace.